We're in, a, we're in a series called There Is More. We're kind of diving into the life of Abraham. Last week we talked about Abraham a little bit and kind of what it means to stretch ourselves for more and believe God for more. And we said that there's no better story than the story of Abraham in the Old Testament to sort of find somebody who left uh, where they were and God sort of brought them into more. God said, you know what, I have something bigger for you, something that more than you could possibly imagine for your life. And here's what we said last week, just as a way of recapping. We said that it's really easy when God calls you to something more and you know that God's called you to more to get stuck kind of halfway in between what God said and the promise. Have you ever been there? Shake your head this way. I've, I've been there where I know I heard God say something and I started walking that way and then something got my attention. How many of you have ADD? Would you just confess right now? Come on, some, some of your spouses are raising your hands for you like, dude, that's you for real. You got that. Trust me on that. The people with ADD usually aren't in here. They're over there somewhere getting coffee right now. I think, I think this is what happens sometimes sort of in our relationship with God. We know God calls us to more, but we get right in the middle of it and we just get distracted. Squirrel, and we just run over there. And, and, and then we look over in our lives. Listen, here's the bad thing. We look in our lives two or three or five or ten years later and we go, God, where did I get off track? Like, I know that you promised me you would do this thing. I know that you said there was bigger and there was more. I know that you said there was greater for me. Where did I get off track? We said last week that in Abraham's life, here's what happened. He sort of got halfway between where God called him out of, where he lived in Ur, and where God had promised him in Canaan, and he, and he stopped in a place called Haran, and Haran was named after the son that he had lost. They just happened to be the same name. He lost a son back in Ur in his hometown. His son died, and his, his son's name, Terah's son's name was Haran. Abraham's brother was Haran, and they stopped right there in the middle of that, and we said that it's very easy for us to sort of get halfway in between what God promised, and most of the time we stop at the place of our hurt, the place that sort of reminds us of our pain, and we get, we get hung up in between that, and we said, God has more beyond that, and so today we're going to kind of keep diving uh, into that idea of, of Abraham, sort of talking about Abraham's life. Here's what we said, our, our theme scripture for the next couple of weeks is found in Ephesians 3 and 20, it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within me, everybody shout me, come on, yeah, that's not everybody, we're going to do this over and over, everybody shout me. There it is. God's power is at work in me. And inside of me, there's God's power to accomplish infinitely more than I could ask or think. You say, man, do you mean God really has more for me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God really has more for you. And God's power is at work inside of you, drawing us and calling us to more. And so today, I really want to stretch you to believe God for more in your life. And here's kind of where we want to zero in on, on this particular week of this series. I want you to believe God for the impossible in your life. I want you to believe God for a miracle in your life. I want you to, I want you to really think back. Has God, ever, has God ever done anything just absolutely miraculous? Have you ever seen a miracle? Did you just raise your hand and say, man, I've seen God work a miracle in my life. Come on, look around. There's hands all over the place. I, I've, I've seen God work a miracle in my life. I've seen God work a miracle. I literally, I've, I've seen God raise someone from the dead. My hand to God. I've seen God heal cancer. I've seen God do the impossible in, in people's. I've seen God change marriages, you know, that were. I've seen miracles start and just hurt and years worth of pain and God put them back together. I've seen miracles happen and listen the thing about miracles are listen close the thing about miracles is that you always believe them for everybody else it's just hard to believe them for yourself it's easy to look around and go well yeah well obviously you know they got more faith or man I saw them on the stage or man that that, that you know they serve or that's the preacher of course he's seen that but I don't know if God can do that for me listen before we leave today I want you to know God can do that for you say amen 
God can do the impossible in your life. God can work a miracle in your life. Now, the next question I want to ask you, I want you to be super honest about is not have you seen a miracle. Listen close. But do you need a miracle? Don't raise your hand. Do you need a miracle in your life? Do you need God to do the impossible in your life? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, a headache because God can heal that, but that ain't what I'm talking about. Okay, that's because you didn't drink coffee this morning. That, that's not, that doesn't take a miracle. It just takes a cup of coffee to fix that in your life. I'm talking about a miracle. I mean, I need God to do something that only God can do. Only God can work this financial uh, uh, piece of my life out. Only God can heal this thing. There, there are people maybe in the room today that, that uh, you know, a doctor said this is sort of the diagnosis. This is the only way it's going to go. This is the best that we can do. That you need God to work a miracle. If God doesn't work a miracle, it's not going to happen. Or maybe you're here and you're sort of in that relationship that, that you feel like if God doesn't work a miracle, it's just not going to work out. You've gone to counseling. You've done everything you know how to do. You've watched videos. You've read books together. But if God doesn't answer, you know, this just isn't, uh, we don't know what else is going to happen here and the kids. And it's just, it's, we need a miracle in our life. If that's you, come on, I want you to be bold and say, man, I need God to work. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe you just need God to, man, I've lost my job or we're about to lose the house or we don't know what's going on. The business is going under. We don't know what's happening if you need a miracle I just want you to be bold and raise your hand man say that's me I need a miracle come on hands up all over the place I need a miracle today's for you I I, I want you to know before the end of the day that God can do absolutely anything here's kind of where we're going to settle in today Uh, John 10 and 10 Jesus is talking here in John 10 and 10 here's what he said he said the thief comes to do three things hold your hand up like this three things now we're going to count down but don't count down because there's one of them fingers y'all don't need to have up here we go The thief comes to do just three things. He comes to steal. Everybody say steal. Come on, guys. Everybody say steal. There it is. Kill and destroy. I grew up thinking the devil could do anything. I really did. I grew up believing the devil did anything that he wanted to do. If our car didn't start, we would blame the devil. Now, I grew up in a church home, and I don't know if you grew up like, like I grew up, but we grew up, we'd pray for everything. We would, we would get oil, and we'd anoint our car for not starting. Come on, somebody. We would, it was always a out of our car. It didn't matter that we didn't have gas. That didn't, that wouldn't, it was a devil. It was always a devil in everything. Listen, the more I serve God, the more I realize the devil can't do everything I gave him credit for doing. He can only do three things. He can only steal what God has already given you. He can only kill what God has already given inside of you. And he can only try to destroy God's plan for you. That's all the enemy can do in your life. And the enemy comes after what God has already done. The enemy can't come to your life and begin something in your life. He, 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 he's not a creator. He can't do that. He, he's not a creative being that creates something. God creates dreams and, and God gives you vision and God, God has plans in your life. And then it's the enemy's business to try to steal and kill and destroy that stuff God's already given you. He can't do all that other stuff you're giving him credit for. Say amen to that. Jesus said, here's what he does. And then sort of as a juxtaposition, there's a comma there. And he said, but I have come that they may have life. Everybody say, that's me. He said, I've come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. Now, if you have a physical Bible, would you just wave it at me? You're carrying your actual Bible. Come on, wave it at me. These are all the real church people. Come on, these are people going to heaven. These are churchy people. If you carry a physical Bible, some of you got like your grandma's Bible, like a big old Bible you brought with. These folks are going to heaven. If you got it on your phone or something, wave that at me. Come on. If you're on Facebook, wave that at me. (laughs) Yeah. Listen. I want you to underline this. If you, if you don't have a physical Bible, I want you to write this on the back of your bulletin in the sermon notes there. There are two different things that Jesus said he would do there. He said, I've come that they may have life. Underline that. 
And then he said, I've come that they have life to the full. Or another translation says abundant life. These are two different lives. Listen close. The first life that Jesus said, I've come that you may have, that's eternal life. That's when you surrender your heart completely to Jesus. That's when you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I can't do this on my own. I've lived my whole life for me, by me, through me. I'm I'm surrendering all that. I'm repenting of my sins. I'm turning all the way around. I'm going to do something else, and you've got to save me. Because of the cross, I believe I can have eternal life. That's the first life that Jesus came to give. But listen close. There's another life that Jesus said, I want believers to have, and that's abundant life. The first life that Jesus came to give you, eternal life, that'll keep you out of hell. Come on, say amen. That's enough, all right? I don't like hot places. It's enough, all right, to stay out of hell. The second life, listen close, that Jesus came to give you, that abundant life, that's for when you go through hell here. That's the power that you and I need. That's that life in us that when hell comes to us, not when you die and it's heaven or hell, but when when hell comes to your life. And some of you know what it's like to sort of live through hell in your life. Some of you are in that hell right now. Some of you know what it's like to be in the worst time of your life, in loss or in, in, in despair or in pain or things have gone wrong or, or he walked out when he said he wouldn't or... You buried a loved one that you didn't think it was possible and, and, and you're in this terrible, you're in the middle of this hell and listen, listen close. That eternal life, that gives you hope for tomorrow. But you and I need hope for today. You and I need something to get us out of bed in the morning. Maybe you've never been that low. That you need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You need, you need to know that God's got more life for you today. That, that God's got something for you today that's bigger than what you are. God thinks big about your life. There is no better story than this. God said, I don't want you to just have a, a, a eternal life. I want you to have abundant life. And there's no better story than that than the life of Abraham. We talked about that last week. We sort of said, God went to Abraham and said, listen, I want you to have a big life. I want your life to be huge. I want you to think bigger than what you're thinking right now. I know you're just barely getting by and praying survival prayers but I want you to have a big life Abraham I've got more in mind for you than what you have in mind I told you I grew up in church and in church we went to Sunday school when I was growing up did you go to Sunday school yeah shake your head this way I don't know why we called it Sunday school I I, I hated Tuesday school I sure didn't want to go to school on Sunday now it's kids ministry that sounds better than Sunday school so I grew up going to Sunday school, and here's the song we would sing growing up. Maybe you know. If you know it, you got to sing along. I, we used to sing, he's got the whole world. Come on, sing. In his hand. All the church people are right here. And he's got the whole. Some of you are shaking like this. In his hand. He's got we had We had hand motions. Y'all have hand motions? Do that whole thing like that? Nobody was deaf in my Sunday school class. I don't know why we did sign language. I don't, I don't have a clue. I grew up thinking that he had the whole world in his hands. Listen close. I grew up that God had the whole, I I believed God, I didn't even know who God was, but I believe He was big enough to have the whole world in His hands. Here's the problem with life. The longer you and I live, the smaller God gets. The longer we're separated from that childlike faith of believing that He has the whole world in His hands, then then hurt comes into our life, or divorce comes in, or or, or loss comes into our life. And and the longer that you and I live, the more separated we get from the idea that God has the whole world in His hand. Then we wake up in our 30s, or our 40s, or our 50s, or 60s, and we say, God, I used to believe you had the whole world in your hands, but I don't even know if you've got today. I don't even know if you have my marriage in your hands. I don't even know if my kids are going to make it. I don't don't even know if this particular situation is in your hands. We sort of had this childlike faith, and then time and hurt, and trial, and pain comes, and God gets smaller in our minds. Listen, let me tell you, without question today, I still believe 
He has the whole world in His hands. I still believe God can do absolutely anything. I want to stretch you to believe today that God can answer any prayer, that God can heal any disease, that there's nothing that's too hard for our God. God has big plans for us. Come on, God has the whole world in His hands. The Hebrews says it like this. He says, thank you, all the church people are clapping. He says, he says this. Hebrews says, by faith we know this, that all the worlds were created at His command. He said the whole universe was formed at God's command. Hebrews 11 and 3. The whole universe was created. I I want you to know about that whole universe. Earth that you and I live on, at least where most people here are are, are from. Earth, the the surface of Earth is about 196 million square miles. And about 70% of that whole Earth is covered in water. And then we have a star that's the closest star to us and it's the sun. And and if you cut the sun in half, you could fit 1.3 million Earths inside of our sun and the sun's just an average star in our galaxy. They say that there are about 200 billion stars just in our galaxy and there are about 200 billion more galaxies that we know probably exist and there are a few hundred billion stars inside those galaxies. As a matter of fact, tonight if it's a clear night, you can stand out in the hill country. One of the reasons I love to live here is you can stand out and look at the stars. You ever do that? Lay in the bed of your truck. Come on, just looking at stars all night long. Your wife's like, what are you doing out there? I'm just, I'm looking at stars. Listen, if you were to count the stars you could see with your naked eye, listen close, just the stars you could see with your naked eye, if you counted one star every second, it would take you 2,500 years to just count the stars that you can see with your naked eye if you counted one star every single second. And it's behind this backdrop that the God of the universe, He created all of that stuff and He goes to Abraham and here's what He says to Abraham. Genesis twenty two seventeen. 17. God says to Abraham, I will bless you. Listen close. I will bless you. If you don't catch anything else I'll say today, listen close. I want you to catch that line. It's God's will that you and I are blessed. I know that some of you sort of look around church and you go, well, I know they're blessed. I know it's God's will to bless them. I don't know if it's really for me. Listen close. It's for you. God said to Abraham, I will bless you. And if I'm Abraham, I'm looking around going, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? God's like, yeah, you, buddy, you. You're the one I'm talking to right now. I will bless you. And he said, here's what I'm going to bless you with. He said, Abraham, I want you to get out of your tent. So Abraham kind of walks out of his tent and rubs the sleepy out of his eyes. He says, you look up in the, st- in the sky and look at the stars. Now listen, there's no skyscrapers, okay? There's no planes flying by. There's no UFOs, despite what you believe on YouTube. There's, just, there's none of that flying by. It's just stars. And Abraham says, okay, God, what now? And he says, I want you to try to count those stars. And Abraham says, that's crazy. I can't count the stars. And God says, I know. Listen, I want to give you descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Now, here's the problem. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, couldn't have kids. They're past their prime. Come on, they're, 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 they're too old to have kids. Or, uh, I told you last week, I don't know. If I'm Abraham, I know the way men think. Abraham probably told God, listen, God, I probably still can do it, but I know Sarah's old. You know what I'm saying? Mama may not can do it. I don't know. I, I still got it. You know what I mean? Because that's the way men think. I, I, I still got it, God, but I don't know about, I don't know about Sarah. And, 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 and God said, I want, you to, I want you to have kids. I want you to have descendants like the stars in the sky. And Abraham says, God, I don't even have one baby. We don't, we, we don't even have one child. And you're talking about stars in the sky. Listen, here's the first thing I want you to know. God has big 
plans for you. I want you to let's think big about God's plans for us. God says, I want you to think more than you're currently thinking about your plans. I know that you're just thinking something small. I know that you're just thinking barely get by. I know you're just praying for one. And God says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you descendants like the stars in the sky. God, what are you talking about? I don't even have this one prayer answered. You're talking big. God says, I know I'm thinking more than you're thinking. I want you to write that down in your notes. God is thinking bigger than you're thinking about your life. Many of us sort of just are content with praying survival prayers and barely getting by. We don't believe God for the impossible in our life. You just say, God, I just don't want to hurt tomorrow. I just want to wake up without pain. And God says, I want to heal you completely of what's wrong with you. We just sort of wake up and say, God, I don't have to have a great marriage. I just need a good marriage. You know, I just need one that's okay. I just don't need him to hit me anymore. I just need the yelling to stop. I, I just want my kids to come home. They don't have to come to church. I just want to know they're okay. Come on, that's, that's where we live. We just pray very small, just barely get God. I just want one baby. And God says, no, Abraham, I've got something bigger for you. I, I, I've got something greater than you could possibly imagine. I've got more for you in store. I'm thinking bigger than you're thinking. And Abraham tells Sarah, did you hear what God said? And Sarah says, you know what? God told me the same thing. And then they laughed at God. I, I don't know. Listen, let me just give you a piece of advice here. I don't know if I would ever laugh at God when He told me something, okay? I don't know if that's true or not. I just wouldn't make it a, a, a daily practice to laugh at what God said. And Abraham and Sarah sort of laugh at God's promise. And this is what God says to Abraham. Listen close. Genesis 18, He says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now listen close. When God asks you a question, when the answer asks you a question, He already knows the response. He's the answer. And when the answer asks you a question, it's really not for his benefit. He's not wondering, I wonder what Russ would say if I ask him if it's anything too hard for the Lord. What do you think about this, Doug? What do you think is too hard for the Lord? No, 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 listen. God's saying, Abraham, listen to me. I want you to know something about me. There's nothing that's too hard for God. I don't know what it is that you're thinking is too hard for God. I don't know what it is that you're hemming your life in. I don't know what it is that you're boxing God into saying, God, I believe you're big enough to create all this world, but I don't know that you're big enough to heal my hurt. God, I believe that you're big enough to do all this. I, I know that Jesus raised from the dead. I can believe in the resurrection, but I don't know if you can resurrect my marriage. God, I, I, I believe in this, but I don't know if you can. I don't know what it is that you're boxing God in on. But listen, God would say to you just like he would say to Abraham, is there anything too hard? For the Lord. Is there anything to Jesus would echo the same things in Luke 18 and 27? He said, What's impossible with men? Come on, say possible. It's possible with God. What's impossible with men is possible with God. God is thinking bigger than you're thinking. Say amen to that. God's thinking bigger about your life. God's thinking bigger about your situation. God's thinking more than you're thinking. God's thinking miracle in your life. Say amen to that. God's thinking big about His church. God's thinking big about the kingdom of God. Listen, I want you to know, I know you're looking around going, man, this is a startup church. This is so cool. We're in on the ground floor. I know it is kind of cool, right? We're in on the ground floor. This is a move of God coming to the hill country. There are going to be thousands of people saved at City Hills. There are going to be thousands of people baptized, thousands of people filled with the Spirit. Come on, there are going to be campuses all over the hill country. I know and you're looking around and thinking, man, this kind of looks, I don't know about this. Let me tell you what God said about His church. 2 Peter 3 and 9. He said, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody say all. Do you mean white people? Yeah. You mean black people? Yeah. You mean brown people, fat people, short people? Come on, short people. You mean tall people? You mean skinny people? You mean people who don't have it all together? You mean people who are broken? You mean people who are far from? You mean people who don't even know if they believe? Everybody. The Bible says, he said, I'm not willing that 
any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's thinking big about His church. Habakkuk says this, that the whole earth will be filled with the glory and the knowledge of the Lord. That the whole earth would be filled with it. Listen, God's thinking big about His church. That's why John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. That, that world right there, He said God so loved the world. That's two different words there. That's the world like the earth that you and I live on. And that's everybody who lives in the world. Come on, God's thinking bigger about this church than, than just this church. God's thinking bigger than just the church you were born and raised in or just America. Come on, somebody. If, if God's, if God's look, looking at our political system and our election right now, He's thinking, oh my goodness, what did I do? <laughs> I, I, I think God probably says something like, oh my me. Like, Oh my me, what, what, what did I do down there? Listen, God's bigger than all of that. God's bigger than our politics. Come on, somebody. God's bigger than your party. God's thinking the whole earth. Not only does God think big, listen close, write this down in your notes. Not only does God think big, but He's given us a mandate to think big in our lives. God's given us a mandate to go big in our life. God's given us a mandate to think bigger about our situation, to think more about our situation, not to just sort of be hemmed in and think small about it. God says, no, 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 I want you to think bigger about it. Matter of fact, the first command God gave to people was this. He said in Genesis 1 and 28, Be fruitful and multiply, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over it and take dominion. Listen close. He said, increase in number and fill the earth. Now listen to me. I know we got kids in here, but everybody look at me. He said this to two people. Adam and Eve, fill the earth. Listen to me. That's a lot. Adam and you got to fill the earth with, okay? There's only two of us. I got, there's Eve and there's Adam. And there's Adam and then there's Eve. And you're talking about filling the whole earth. And God says, yeah, I'm talking about filling the whole earth. Adam and Eve, I'm talking about filling the whole earth. Why? How could you tell that to two people? God says, because I'm thinking bigger than you're thinking. I, I, I have more planned than you have planned. I know you can only see what you can do, but I can see something bigger than what you can do. I can see something more than what you can see. God says, I'm thinking bigger than your life, and I want you to think bigger than where you're currently thinking. Say amen to that. I want you to think greater than where you are. I want your faith to be stretched to believe God for more in your life. Here's sort of where that whole idea of more come from. In my study time, I was reading through the book of Corinthians in the message paraphrase. I don't know if you uh, read the message paraphrase. Let me encourage you to do that. I love it as a good study and just a place to read. You know, in my daily devotion, that's sort of what I read through. And I love this particular paraphrase, this passage, 2 Corinthians 16. Here's what Paul would say to the Corinthians. He's writing them a letter and he says, Dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Come on, take your hands and stretch them like this. Touch somebody right side, even if you don't know them. Just stretch yourself out. He said, this is a wide open, spacious life. Listen what Paul said. Listen, he said, Corinthians, we didn't fence you in. The smallness that you feel comes seeing them in a small way. He said, your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. And then I love this particular, this is probably the reason I like this. He said, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. If Paul was writing today, he would say something like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I'm like, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Live openly and expansively. I want you to write this down. I want you to abandon smallness in your life. 
Paul said to the Corinthians, listen, I want you to enter this wide open spacious life. I didn't fence you in. Listen, church didn't fence you in. I was raised in church and, and maybe you were raised in sort of religious tradition. You think, well, they fenced me in and it was just all about this and that. He said, no, no, no. I don't want you to think you were fenced in because of church or because of faith. He said, your lives were meant to be big. They were meant to live large. If there's something small about your life, it's coming from inside of you. He said, there's something that your lives aren't small. You're just living them in a small way. He said, I want you to abandon smallness. Would you write that in your notes? I want you to abandon smallness. I want you to quit thinking about small things. There are three ways I want you to abandon smallness. I want you to get out of petty thinking. Would you write that down? Petty thinking. Have you, have you ever met petty people? Don't point to your spouse. Come on. People who are just petty. They just Everything in their life is just petty, petty, petty. It's petty arguments. It's petty theft. It's just petty. It's always stuff. It's little stuff. They're just always as petty. Their lives are always focused on small things. You ever met somebody? You're thinking, man, why? Why do you care about just the pettiest little thing? You're always complaining and and griping about the smallest little thing. Listen, I want you to abandon that smallness. When you focus on petty things and petty gossip and petty arguments, you miss the big picture that God has in your life. When you focus on the petty things of your life, you you miss the the why open spacious living that God has for you I want you to abandon smallness in this petty thinking I want you to abandon poverty thinking I want you to abandon uh, thinking about lack poverty thinking says we'll never have enough it'll never be enough this is just probably never going to work I'm never going to have a good job we're never going to have a good marriage it's never going to be a big enough house enough money a big enough nice enough car it's just never going to be enough poverty thinking says we got to protect what we have abandon smallness in the thinking that you have about generosity. Listen, generous people say that, Proverbs says it this way, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Come on, I want you to start thinking about abundance and increase and not lack. Let me tell you why. Because when you focus on small things, here's what you and I do. We tend to protect what I have. Because I may lose this. And we can't be generous. When God calls us to be generous with His house or with His kingdom or with other people in our lives, we can't be generous because I'm too concerned about protecting what I have. That's small thinking. God says, no, no, no. I'm your provider. I'm your source. I've got more than you could possibly imagine. I want you to think bigger than. I don't want you to focus on what you have. I want you to focus on what I can do. Say amen to that. I want you to focus on something bigger than what you've got right now. I want you to abandon the smallness that's on the inside of you. I want you to get bigger on the inside. Listen close. I want you and I to live big lives. I want you to start thinking about progress in your life. I want you to think about more in your life. I want you to think confident. I want you to get up on Monday morning and go to that job that you hate. <laughs> Don't look around if your boss comes to church here. I, I, I want you to go to that. I want you to walk in there and go, you know what? This place isn't my source. God's my source. God's got something bigger for me. God's got more for me. I want you to walk into your home and your marriage isn't right. Now, look at that old joker you've been married to for 20 years, and I don't want you to focus on him. I want you to say, you know what? It's God's will we have a great marriage. God's got bigger stuff for us. God's got more in our life. I want you to go to your baby's uh, bedrooms and, and, and your kids are going crazy and things are falling apart. I want you to walk in your bedroom and go, you know what? God's got more in their life. God's got more for my kids. God's calling my kids not just back to church. God's calling my kids to change the world. God's got more than I could possibly imagine. I want you to think more. I want you to think progress in your life. I want you to get bigger. And when you do that, listen, every time that people stretch their minds and stretch their thoughts beyond where they are, we tap into something bigger than where we are. 
Every time we stretch our minds and we think, okay, God, I'm willing to believe you for more. Every time you do that, you tap into something more than you ever knew was possible. How would you know God's a healer if you never got sick? How would you know God's a provider if you never were without? How would you know God could never make a way if you, were, if you never had an impassable, an impossible situation where you think, man, I can't go through here. I don't know how God, I don't know how this is. How would you ever know God that way? But every time God comes through, you stretch yourself to believe God for more. You, you, you stretch yourself. And so the next time you wind up in that situation, listen close, you can believe God for more. The next time you get in that situation, the next problem you face, the next trial that comes in your life, the next thing that happens in your family, the next thing that, the the next bad phone call you get, or news from the doctor, you go, you know what? I don't understand this, but I believe God. I know God can do the impossible. I've seen God do impossible things in our lives. Listen, God wants to bless everybody. Listen close. God wants to bless everybody in this room with a more abundant life, but not everybody is equally blessed. You say, well, how does that happen? If God wants to bless everyone, why isn't everyone equally blessed? Does God have favorites? Now, I know it's easy to look around in church and go, He probably does. He probably likes me better. He probably likes you better. But truth of the matter is, He doesn't have favorites. God doesn't favorite people, but He does favorite principle and action. There's some stuff you can do to get in position for God to bless you. Say amen to that. There's some stuff you and I can do to get in position. Here's what the Bible would say about this. He said, blessed is the one. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Let me just stop right there. It could be that God's not giving you more in your life, not because of what you're doing. It's because of the people who you're surrounding yourself with. You ever looked around at your friends and think, man, is this it? <laughs> is it? Don't look around right now. That'd be odd. I came to church with you, okay? But you look around and go, man, I got a bad marriage, and every friend I've got's got a bad marriage. If I want to have a good marriage, I got to quit hanging around all you cats that got a bad marriage, okay? i got to find somebody who's got the kind of marriage I want. Here's what the Bible said. He said, blessed is the one who looks around. He said, doesn't, doesn't keep in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. That first part is all about the people you run with. He said, I want you to look at the people in your life. I want you to look around and say, you know what? I want more from God in my spiritual life. i got to get around spiritual people. I, I want God to do something greater in my life. I, I, I want God to answer in a big way. i got to look around at who I'm hanging around with, not people who mock what God is doing or mock that I'm going to church faithful now or mock that I'm serving in church or that we give. Or No, I, I need to get around the right people. He said, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He said, these are the people I want you to hang around with. And if you will... You're going to be blessed. He said, who meditate on his law day and night. Listen close. He said, that person, that person is like a tree who's planted by streams of water, whose leaf does not wither. Now, this is one of the most interesting lines in all of the Bible to me. This is the last, this is the most interesting. Honestly, of all of the scripture, I think this line is, there's just something supernatural about this line. Listen close. He says, whatever they do, that person who, who looks at who they're running with, And that person who gets inside of God's word and God's law. He said, that person, whatever they do, prospers. 
How many of you would like to live a life that whatever it is that you do would prosper? Would you just raise your hand? Look around at people whose hands aren't raised and take their blessing. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I, I want everything I do to prosper. I, I, I grew up thinking that I could, I could make a mistake. I could do it the wrong way. Or I grew up thinking, man, what if I turn left right here and God wanted me to turn right? Oh, God, what am I going to do? And I would just stop my car. And, God, what are we going to do? If I turn left, I may die in a car wreck. I don't know what's going to happen right here. If I turn right, I don't know if that's the right way. Here's what I believe. Listen close. The longer I've served God, the more I believe this. Turn right or turn left. It don't matter to God. Because when you're following this principle, everything you do prospers. He said, Abraham, I want you to follow me. And, and Abraham said, where are we going, God? He said, doesn't matter to me. Just wherever you want to step. Abraham said, that's crazy, God. you got to give me some boundaries. You see, you and I grew up, and I, and I sort of think I need boundaries. I need God to show me. Go over there and then turn left right there and go right. How many of you want that kind of directions from God? That's what I want God to do. I want God to say, turn right and then turn left and go down to the third tree. And right behind there, there's a treasure chest and all the money you'll ever need right inside that treasure chest. And I go, thank you, Jesus. And I come in here on Sunday and I tell you that we just turn right and left and third tree and there's blessing. And God said, listen, it's not going to be that easy, Abraham. I just want you to leave and follow me. And wherever, listen close, wherever you put your foot, I'm going to bless. He said, wherever you walk, I'm going to bless. In other words, whatever you do is prosper. How do I get to the place where anything that I do is prosper? He said, here's how. You look around at who you are. And when you decide to get around the right people, and when you decide that I'm going to meditate on His law day and night, He said, listen, then I want you to get planted like a tree. Would you write that in your notes? Get planted like a tree. Oftentimes in the Bible, you'll find the, the child of God, the person who's following God, referenced in, in, in like a tree. Or you, You'll find a lot of times in the Scripture. Here's what Psalms 92 said. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Come on, you can use that, men, with your wives. You'll be like... Girl, you look like a cedar of Lebanon right now. You, the cedar of Lebanon. Don't, don't say don't do that to your wife. You look like a cedar of Lebanon. Listen close. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord. There's something about being planted in church. It's a reason why we started this church. Not because there aren't good churches in the hill country. Not because there aren't incredible ministries that are so in seed and they've been here a lot longer than we have. We, we just think it's always God's will to offer people the opportunity to get planted in the house. It's why unapologetically I tell you, you need to get planted in some local church. I'd love for it to be City Hills. But you got to find a place that you can plant yourself. You can't just visit always. At some point, you got to buy. How many of you know what it's like to buy your first house? You remember what that was like when you quit paying rent and you're like, man, I am done with this rent stuff. I can get a house for the same thing. I've been paying rent on. You jokers are getting rich off of me. I'm buying my own house. Listen, some of us have been renting our relationship with church for a long time. And God says, it's time for you to be an owner. It's time for you to know what it's like to get planted in the house of God. And when you get planted in the house, He said, you're going to flourish and everything you do is going to prosper. It's why we have an easy path for you to get planted here at City Hills. It's why in a couple of weeks we're going to have growth track. It's our membership process. It's just two steps, two Sundays right after uh, church just for an hour we have lunch that's worth staying for and then child care that's worth staying for you don't have to have your kids and you get a meal in peace and quiet and we're going to tell you how to get planted here and how to get on the dream team here and serve here at City Hills why, why do we make it so easy to get involved here because we think everybody ought to be planted because when you get planted, when you get planted in God's house, He said, you're going to flourish. It's amazing what happens in your life. He said, you're, you're planted in the house. Psalms 92 and 14 says, they'll bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. Come on, I want to bear fruit in my old age. Are you with me on that? 
I don't want to peak out at, at 30 or 40 or 50. You ever met somebody who, whose life peaked in college? All of their best stories are about college. You know what I'm talking about? Shake your head this way. You know who I'm talking about. You're probably married to one. You, you, you know somebody like Uncle Rico? All their stories are about their football days. Come on. In college, they you know, Uncle Rico, you know who I'm talking about. Everybody thinks that was my best days. That was the best. Listen, I don't want to peak out in my 30s or 40s or 50s. I want to keep prospering in my old age. I, 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 when I'm 80, Five years old. I want to wear really short shorts and really long socks, and I want to drive a golf cart everywhere, and I want to have no teeth walking around talking about I'm still blessed. <laughs> I still got it, baby. I still, I still got it. I want to be blessed and bearing fruit in my old age. How do you do that? You got to get in position. You got to get in the right place. You got to get planted. Psalms 52 says, "Like an olive tree, like an olive tree is planted, you can flourish in the house of God." I want you to get planted here. Here's the last thing I want to tell you finally. Listen, this is the most important thing I want to tell you. This is kind of how we're going to end today. Praying big prayers is a part of living a more beyond life. Listen close. Praying big prayers. Believing God for more. Believing God for big stuff in your life. That's part of living the more beyond life. There are a lot of people in the room who know what it's like to pray. Listen close. Survival prayers. There are people here who've been praying survival prayers for a long time. Just God, I, I just need to barely get God. I, I, listen, it doesn't have to be great. It's just got to be better than it is. God, we don't, we don't have to have a new house. I just want to keep the lights on. I don't want them to take this one. God, God I, don't, I don't have to have a, a, a perfect marriage. I just want a marriage that's better than what it currently is. God, God, you don't have to heal me completely. I just want to wake up one day without pain. Just, just, just tomorrow. Just one, just one day without. God, there are people that take away the pain completely. Just give me some relief. And we pray survival prayers. Listen close. There are people in this room who know what it's like to pray survival prayers. Every moment of your life, you're just constantly praying just to barely get through, barely get by. Listen close. Listen close. If you don't listen to anything else today, listen to this. God's got more for you. You've got to learn how to pray big prayers. God has a miracle for you. The God of the Bible can work miracles. There's nothing that He can't do. There's nothing that's impossible with God. Matthew 7 and 7 says it like this, Ask and it will be given to you. And seek and you'll find. A knock and the door will be opened. And everyone who asks receives. And everyone who seeks finds. And everybody who knocks the door will be opened. How many of you have ever your, your, your son or your daughter have ever asked you for something and, and, and you just couldn't, Pastor Russ talked about it, you just you couldn't help yourself. You just give it to them. My babies, I have a four-year-old, almost five-year-old little girl and I have a two-year-old little boy. You'll see them. They'll be tearing something up momentarily. It doesn't matter what they ask for. I'm going to do my best to do what... I, somebody said, you're going to spoil them. Listen, how do you spoil your kids? Come on, let's be honest. How, how do you spoil these babies? They're just babies once. I, I, no, nobody write me any emails about this, but when, when our babies were little, we co-slept. We slept with our babies. Judge me all you want to. Do whatever you want to do, judging me. But I, listen, here's what I said. They're only babies once, okay? There's going to come a time they don't even want to be in my house. I'm going to let them sleep in my bed as long as they want to. Come on, somebody. Because they're my babies. Here's what Matthew said. He said, how many of you, when, you're, when your child asks for a fish, you give him a snake? That's crazy. If you know how, you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does your Father in Heaven know how to give good gifts to those who ask Him? How, how much more does God know how to make your life bigger? How much more does God know how to do the impossible? You say, I've never prayed a big prayer. 
Jabez in First Chronicles would pray that kind of prayer. He said this, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel and he said, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Some, some of the greatest words in all the Bible. God granted his request. Listen close. Look at me in the eyes. God wants to grant your request today. God wants to answer the most impossible thing in your life today. God wants to do what you think is impossible. Abraham, I know that it sounds crazy. I know it's just the stars in the sky. You can't even count them. I know you're just thinking about one baby. You're just praying survival prayers. I want to do more than that. I want to give you more than that. I want you to pray bigger prayers than that.